Welcome and thank you for listening to the Okuo Church Podcast. We exist so that people will be in community with Jesus and one another. We'll do that by listening to God, loving people, leading by empowering others, and linking to our community. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, Kuo. I'm so happy to be back with y'all this week after our friend Desley Laglu came up here and led you in the message last week. Uh, before we get into anything, I'd just like to thank Des for being with us last week and caring for the Akuo community so well. We all appreciate you a ton. Now, this week we are continuing in a series which we are calling Build on Belief. What we are doing in this series is figuring out what we do with our lives once we have started to believe in Jesus. Jesus is the foundation and we are trying, and believing in Jesus is the foundation, and we are trying to figure out how we can build on that. So what we are trying to do is what it looks like to build on that belief. And so let's keep on doing that as we continue in this series. Now, before we go any further into this message, what I want to do is just take a moment to stop and pray. So uh, just pray something like this along with me. Just say, Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for the time that you have given us here to dive into the words that were left behind. Speaking of you, Lord, we ask that you would be with us today, that you would open up our ears, our minds, and our hearts to what you want us to hear today, Lord. And we thank you for everything. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So right now we are in the middle of the summer, and I've been seeing my kids run around and do all kinds of fun activities uh, for the last handful of weeks. And, and since they are out of school, it's gotten me thinking about my summers when I was growing up. So most mornings I would like get up, and I would get something to eat and then immediately like, you know, I check with my mom. Hey, are there any chores or any things I need to be doing? Okay, cool. I'll finish those up. And then I would immediately go run, uh, take my bike to one of my friend's house, right? And normally we'd start our day by playing outside, you know, playing some basketball, some baseball, some football. Uh, you know, sometimes we just ride our, our bikes around the neighborhood and, and just check stuff out. And, and we did that first because we wanted to beat the heat. Because once it started hitting 100 degrees, we were trying to get inside as fast as we could. And when we go inside, there'd be video games, of course, and then there'd be board games. We'd have a good time playing all kinds of stuff, but Monopoly was a game that was normally like few and far between because first off, it took forever. And the second thing is that there's no easy way for Monopoly to end without absolutely hating everybody sitting at the table with you. I mean, even in the most civil games of Monopoly, you would look at the dude that was the banker and you think like, he was stealing money the whole time. And then like at, at, at its worst, somebody would like flip it and be like, forget you guys, I just don't wanna be your friend anymore. So of course, it's a game that uh, you know, we stayed away from. But then came back to, for me, when I got married. And one of the things that was interesting was that the way that we played the game didn't necessarily line up with, with me and Lauren. I mean, you guys know that you're not supposed to get money when you land on the free parking, right? I mean, it's in the rules. Also, when you land on go, you're supposed to get an extra $200, also in the rules. But Lauren played a different way, pretty much the way that she felt like playing growing up. And there were different rules that were connected to things uh, just because that's how they had always played it. This happened, has happened any time that we play a board game, right? Like, what, what, what rules are we going to play with? So normally we have to, like, go and read the rules to make sure that we're playing it the right way. Otherwise, there's a conflict that's going to come. Has any of this ever happened to you? Have you ever had disagreements over the rules of your favorite board game? Have you ever actually had to go back to the actual rules and open up the box and read them to make sure that you 
or playing the right way? Or have you ever felt angry because someone you're playing with keeps on going back to the official rules over and over again? That's, that's probably how Lauren feels about me. Well, today we are going to be diving into something along these lines, where two groups are trying to figure out which set of rules they should follow. Today we're going to study through the account of the early church as recorded by the disciple and historian Luke. So if you're interested in following along with us today, we will be reading through Acts chapter 15. Or you can just follow along with us as we, we read things uh, here on the screen, or just listen to me as I recount them uh, to you. I'll read them out loud. So to give you guys some context of where we're at, we had Saul, a zealot from the Jewish temple in Jerusalem that was persecuting followers of Jesus around Israel until Jesus appeared to Saul and changed his entire life. Saul, who would later be named Paul, started preaching about Jesus and really became zealous for Jesus. By preaching the same things that Jesus did, love and forgiveness, many, many people started to believe in Jesus. He then teamed up with his buddy Barnabas, and they started to preach all over the known world. And as they preached, they saw the Holy Spirit change the lives of Jewish and Gentile people. They saw God moving through anyone that believed. And this was a huge departure culturally from everything the Jewish people had known, because God had chosen them to be his people, and almost exclusively work through them. But when Jesus came, everything changed. So while they are in one of the cities, Paul and Barnabas are in one of the cities that they had spent some time in, they encounter something they hadn't really dealt with yet. So let's take a look at Luke's account to see what happened. There, Luke writes, while Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. So here's what's going on here. When the former religious Jewish people thought about going out into the world to spread the good news of Jesus, right? Because Jesus said he's going to go out to the whole world. What they did is they went out into the entire world where all the Jewish people they stuck around the Jewish empire and got a lot of Jewish people to convert. But as we have talked about a few times over the last few weeks, they didn't really want the Gentiles in there. If they were going to join the Jewish people, if these Gentiles were going to join the Jewish people, they'd have to do what they had always done, which is convert to Judaism. And one of the ways that they would do that is through circumcision. Now, that would be a guaranteed way to make sure that very few men would want to ever join your church. But that was the rule that the Jewish Christians were trying to place on people that weren't Jewish. Because all the Jewish men would have done this while they were a baby, just days old. So when these men from Judea, Jerusalem, show up and begin to teach that they can't be saved without being circumcised, what they're really saying is you can't be saved if you aren't Jewish by birth or if you haven't converted to Judaism. They wanted to make sure that all of these people were adhering to the law that was passed down by, Noah, by Moses. And this wasn't happening by accident either. These people showing up, these men showing up, they were sent there by Jewish Christians within the church in Jerusalem to go and preach this message. They were sent there because they had heard stories that Paul and Barnabas were adding all of these Gentiles to their numbers. And they didn't want that. They couldn't process other people playing the same game they had played their whole lives using different rules. 
So they sent these dudes out there to do something. They sent them out there to create a blended method of salvation. A little bit of this and a little bit of that. They sent them to add stuff onto the preaching of Jesus. Now, why would they do this? Well, because they thought the other people were cheating because they were so used to another set of rules. So let's take a look and see how Paul and Barnabas reacted to these men that were sent to preach this blended method of salvation. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. So right here, Paul and Barnabas are hot. Maybe not like hot, honest, open, and transparent. Well, they, they might have been that too. But this is the kind of hot where your face turns red and steam starts like shooting out of your ears. They're very upset. So they start to argue with these men, and the argument grows, and neither side will back down. And then the rest of the church starts to get into it, and some people agree with Paul and Barnabas, while others, they went the other way. They felt like the Gentiles needed to be circumcised, just like they were. Either way, the elders of the church decide to send Paul and Barnabas and the men that they were arguing with back to Jerusalem to go talk to the leaders of the Jesus-centered church over there. Now, when Paul and Barnabas actually get there, they are welcomed with open arms by the elders and the disciples of that church. This is where the fun starts. Here's what happened. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So Paul and Barnabas report what's going on. Once again, an argument breaks out. There's a group. The scripture says they were former Pharisees. And while these Pharisees argue that the Gentiles do need to be circumcised, and also they need to follow the laws of Moses, the same laws that they had been adhering to for their entire lives. Now, real quick, the laws of Moses were something that guided the Jewish people for a very, very, very long time. They were 613 laws that they had to follow to make sure that they were staying right with God. Now compare that to the new commandments that Jesus created, which we've been talking about all year long. Loving others, loving like Jesus. Also, at another point, he mentioned loving God and loving people were the greatest commandments, right? So really, Jesus is talking about love. Love, love, love over and over and over again. So when you look at this, Paul and Barnabas, well, they aren't just playing with a different set of rules. It's almost like they're playing a totally different game from what the Pharisees are looking at altogether. Because at this point, the Pharisees aren't arguing theology. What they're arguing is tradition. Because remember, Jesus came and fulfilled the covenant with the Jewish people, the agreement that God had made with the Jewish people that the Messiah would come through them. And that happened. It was Jesus. Jesus came and fulfilled that agreement. So a new agreement, a new covenant had been created. Jesus had opened the family of God to the entire world. And you can access that by simply believing. Okay, I'm getting sidetracked. Let's, let's get back to this, this story. Paul and Barnabas are pleading their case in front of the council that leads the church in Jerusalem. The council is made up of the disciples of Jesus and some other elders that they've brought into the church. Now, there are two names that we recognize in this. The first one of them is Peter. 
the one that Jesus said he would build his church upon. Peter, the one that walked on water because Jesus said he could. That guy. Well, Peter is one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem, and Peter has also seen Gentiles get converted. He has seen the Holy Spirit work in these people, and Peter has some thoughts on the situation. Peter leverages all of his credibility in front of the council and says this. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Guys, this is a body punch to the people arguing for the Gentiles to follow the law. Remember, they had to have a special ceremony every year, the Jewish people would, where they would sacrifice an innocent animal just so they could wash their lives clean from all the ways they'd fallen short and messed up on the laws. The Jewish people couldn't correctly follow the laws of Moses. None of them could. The only one that followed all the laws correctly was Jesus. Then he sacrificed himself for everyone's sins for all time. So Peter is up there saying, why? Why would you place this burden on people that you couldn't do yourself? Why would you make them play by a set of rules that you can't play by? Why would you treat people in a way that God isn't treating you? Then he does like the mega mic drop here. When describing the Jews and the Gentiles, the people that they had spent their whole lives avoiding, Peter uses the word we. He lumps everyone together at the same time. Jewish people would go out of their way to make sure that they wouldn't even use the word like we when describing those people and themselves. Peter explains then that we are saved through the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus, which is, is an idea that's been bouncing around my head a lot lately. This idea that grace is only given to people that don't deserve it. If it's deserved, then it's not grace. So the fact that any of us have gotten grace from Jesus makes us undeserving of it. With that being said, we need to make sure that we are extending that grace to the people around us and to the people that don't deserve it. Those are the only people that you give grace to. So if you are withholding grace from someone because they are mean or because they think differently from you, or y'all got to like stop this immediately because grace isn't given to people that deserve it. Okay, let's get back to the council meeting. There's another person that gets up to talk. It's someone we haven't seen much of in Luke's account up to this point. It's a man named James. So now James is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. While Peter went into prison and had almost been murdered by Herod, James steps into leadership into the church, in the church. And what's interesting is that he's spoken of very highly by everyone. He's a deep, prayerful man. They said that like he, he developed like hard knees and calluses over his, his knees because he would go and pray. And, and, and he was just such a great man that people in power of the Jewish temple could find no fault with him. And there's also one other interesting note about James. It's that 
He's Jesus' little brother. Yeah, Jesus had siblings, and this was one of the great leaders of the early church. You see, James wasn't actually a believer while Jesus was alive. Now, in a letter that Paul would later write to the people in Corinth, he tells the story of how Jesus made visits to the disciples as a group, and then he had one other visit, one-on-one, with his brother James. And it was only after that encounter that James believed that his brother was who he said he was, right? Which makes sense, right? Because what would your sibling have to do to make you believe that they were the savior of the world? I mean, I'm sure some of you have a sibling that everyone thinks walks on water, but what would it actually take for you to believe that same thing of them? Yeah, they'd have to like literally come back from the dead and have like a crazy conversation with you. That's what it would take. So James believed, and he was the leader of this church. And after hearing everybody talk about this subject, this controversy, this is what he had to say. So my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. So James says, let's not make it harder than it has to be. That law of Moses that we all followed was crazy difficult. And the way that we know that is because we all fell short of it. We all fell short of it. So let's make it easy on them. That's what he's telling them, right? Let's make it easy to allow them to join the family of God by simply believing. However, after he's like, hey, let's make it easy, he's like, but let's ask him to do these things. Now, these things would have been something that, or these things are something that have been tripping people up for a very long time. Now, here's the best explanation of this section that I've read, that I've found. N.T. Wright explains it like this. Though the interpretation of the decree seems controversial, it seems most likely that what James had in mind was the actual performance of the various rituals involved in pagan worship, including the drinking of blood, ritual prostitution, and other orgiastic elements that even if they were not practiced in the pagan temples all the time, were assumed to be practiced in at least some temples some of the time. This would have been the most obvious and to Jews offensive form of continuing pagan behavior for any Christian to indulge in. And it is hardly asking a great deal for a follower of Jesus to abstain from it. So really what James is asking Gentiles to do is fully turn away from their old religious practices. Because all of these things that he lists were things that would happen within the pagan temples. He wants them to move far from it for their own benefit, of course, but for the benefit of the Jewish Christians. Because they were so freaked out that they even had to share space with the Gentiles, that they were worried that like these Gentiles were gonna go to pagan church after going to their church. James had to include this in this letter. It isn't anything crazy being laid on the Gentiles. It's pretty basic ask for them that are followers of Jesus. But this also makes me think about this. What burdens is the current church placing on people outside? People that are outside of the church. How are we as a church making things harder than they need to be for people to follow Jesus? Are we throwing extra obstacles in the way that will actually keep people from hearing the gospel? 
Are we adding on extra rules that aren't even things that Jesus asked us to do? Akuo, we need to take a hard look at how we present who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. Because I know there are things that we are all doing that are more about tradition and not necessarily about the commandments that Jesus gave us. Now, the other thing that occurred to me during this preparation is that the burden that we are carrying might not just be for the people outside of the church. The reason we feel so comfortable placing this burden on others, the reason we feel comfortable placing this heavy yoke on someone else is because we are placing it on ourselves. We are placing things on ourselves that Jesus did not ask us to do. We are placing things on ourselves that Jesus never said to live out. So think about this. What burdens are we placing on ourselves? What things have we created that go beyond Jesus' words that we hold ourselves accountable for? What things have we placed in our culture that borrow from the law of Moses and don't point directly back to Jesus? Whatever they may be, I want you to drop them to the ground. I want you to leave them on the floor. I want you to throw them in the trash, and I want you to get as far away from them as possible. Because Jesus didn't come to perpetuate the law of Moses. He came to fulfill it and give us something brand new. Akuo, living our lives with extra burdens of the law isn't what Jesus had laid out for us. Jesus understood that the only thing we would need is to follow him in the best way possible. Jesus understood that the only thing that we would need to do is simply believe in him. Jesus understood that the only things that we needed to worry about is how we are loving God and how we are loving people. This is why Jesus said this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. This isn't the weight that is placed upon people when following the law. That yoke, that burden was too much for the people of Israel to carry. That's why the yoke of Jesus is so easy. The yoke, the burden of following Jesus is simply believing. That's it. There's nothing else to it. There are no more religious laws to follow. There are no hoops to jump through. There are no sacraments needed to be made right with Jesus just simply believing. So if you want to have that yoke of Jesus in your life and you want to take off the heavy burden that the world has given you, that you have given yourself, I want you to do that. It's so simple. All you have to do is believe. Believe that Jesus was the son of God sent down to this earth to lay his life down for us. That's all. If you want to make that change in your life, then you can do that. So right now, I'd like to help you confirm that belief in Jesus with a simple conversation that you will have with him, which we would call a prayer. So if you want to do that, I can help lead you in that conversation. And I understand this could be a little scary. This can be a little bit weird. To help you out right now, I'm going to ask the entire Akuo community to be praying along with you because here at Akuo Church, no one ever has to pray alone. 
you always have a community here with you. So just pray something like this along with me. Just say something like this between you and Jesus. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you and what you did here on this earth. And today, the best way I know how, I give you my life. Amen. Now let's keep our, our heads bowed. And whether you've been a believer for the last four seconds or the last four decades, and you want to unburden yourself of something you are carrying that you don't need to be carrying, I want you to pray something like this, just between you and Jesus. Just say, Jesus, thank you for everything. Thank you for laying your life down for me. Thank you for loving me. Jesus, I ask you to show yourself to me. Jesus, show me the way that you want me to follow you. Show me the way that you want me to be relational to you. Show me the way that you want me to love. Jesus, show me the exact ways to do that so I can be sure to love people in the best way possible. Jesus, help me build on my belief. Jesus, help me unburden myself from all the things that I've been taught from when I was a little kid, from what the, the world has told me. Unburden myself of that and let me follow you in the best way possible. Jesus, thank you for everything. We love you. And we pray all these things in your holy, mighty, and loving name, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much for being a part of this today. Before we go, there are a few things I'd like to share with you. The first thing is our next linking opportunity. It's coming up tomorrow, tomorrow morning, July the 4th. That's right, 4th of July. Once again, we'll be partnering with the Monticello Park Neighborhood Association to help them throw their 4th of July parade. Now, this is a time where families in the community come together to make some, some floats and walk around the pocket park here in this neighborhood. Now, what we will be doing is handing out paletas and cold drinks and also putting up a photo booth for everyone. Now, if you're interested in helping us set up, tear down, or hand out paletas or water, please sign up for it by following the QR code on the screen or by going to our website, akuo.church, and under the Get Involved menu, you can click on the 4th of July link and sign up there. Or you can just show up and be a part of the parade that gets started at 9 a.m. Either way, I can't wait to see you linking to our community and having a great time with our neighbors. And the next thing I want to talk to you all about is coming up on July the 8th, just a couple days later. We'll be celebrating our two-year anniversary by having a potluck dinner at 6.30 p.m. at Jefferson Community Church. Akua will be providing the main course and all the drinks for the party, so feel free to bring all of your favorite sides, all your favorite desserts. We are excited to welcome you to our potluck dinner happening on July the 8th at 6.30 p.m. at Jefferson Community Church. Now, the next thing I'd like to do is talk to you about the ways that we can be sacrificially generous here at Akuo. Now, one of the ways that we, we talk about, first off, is that you are going to God and you're talking to him and you're asking him, Lord, Jesus, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be generous here? 
That's the first thing you gotta do. Now, if you aren't hearing anything, you aren't sure where to start, one of the many ways that you can be generous here at Akua Church is by the biblical method of giving called tithing, which means giving a first fruit 10% offering to the storehouse, which is your local church. Now, we want you to be engaging in some level of generosity, and, and because that's one of the things that, that we are called to do is be sacrificially generous and by loving one another, right? That's one of the things that, that we were asked to do. So. With that being said, I also understand that things might be really tough for you and your family right now. And, and I get it, like, you know, inflation's going crazy, gas prices are going nuts, everything is getting way more expensive, which means your paycheck is going not as far as it used to. So if, if that's you, if you need some help right now, we wanna be linked to you in this time. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us. Or if you know someone that needs some help, please let us know. All you have to do is go to our website, akuo.church, and click on the Contact Us link. And you can also send an, an email to us at help at akuo.church, or you can call or text the church at 210-901-8785. Now, if you are willing to give here to Akuo Church, the way you can do that is by simply going to our website, akuo.church. Now, when you get there, all you have to do is click on the giving link and follow the instructions. We also have the text to tithe option for that. All you have to do is text akuo, a-K-O-U-O and the dollar amount you want to give to the number 77977. Now, if you don't want to give electronically, we also have our P.O. Box available if you would like to send your gift through a check. For that, all you have to do is mail your check to Akuo at P.O. Box 100-125, San Antonio, Texas, 78201. All right, guys, that's all that I have for you today. I just want you to know that I love and appreciate all of you, and our Akuo team will be praying for you now and all week long. But before we go, I just want to pray over you one last time. So, uh, Jesus, I just ask that as people turn off their TVs, close up their laptops, and, and put away their phones and tablets, that you would just be speaking to them. I pray that as they go through their week, that they would be mindful of the things that are weighing them down. I pray that they would be mindful of the burdens that have been placed on them. And I pray that they would see you and take on your burden and your yoke and find rest for their souls, Lord. Jesus, I thank you for everything. We love you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, guys, that's all that we have for you this week. I will see you at the 4th of July parade, and I will see you at the potluck dinner. Have a great week. Thanks for spending time with us today. You can find this message and any recent sermon available on demand at our website, akuo.church. That's A-K-O-U-O.church. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Akuo Church. Welcome to the community. We hope to hear from you soon.